Welcome to the Lazy People Podcast, the podcast about all things technology and people and technology in Belgium, of course, from outside of Belgium. My name is Errol Baikal, and I'm here with my co-host, Metzian. Welcome to the show. Today with us is Levan Doklo, who is currently working as a software architect at Barco. Uh, however, uh, that will not be the topic of today. Levin, uh, do you care to explain a little bit about uh, who you are and uh, what you do? Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, I've been a developer for, I think, just about 16 years now. Uh, did just about any role that you can think about with regards to development. So started off as just a junior developer and then moved up the ranks until I, I'm now an architect. I really don't like titles, but hey, people do want to put titles on people. Um, yeah, so I've been mainly doing Java development for the last 15 years, uh, mainly based on the Spring framework. Um, but aside from just doing technical stuff, I've also been interested in, in a lot of more um, like soft uh, targets on, on in our industry, like how to do training, how to coach people, um, how to do presentations, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, I also do quite a few presentations before COVID uh, at, at conferences. So, yeah, that, that's that's which that's which why. which conferences uh, do you uh, present at? Um, I've been presenting at Davox, uh, Poland, Belgium, and Morocco. I think um, I also did a presentation in the UK, um, Geekon in Poland. So, yeah. When when I see when I see call for papers going up, I, I tend to submit a paper and then see what sticks. And uh, the topics uh, are they uh, do they range from uh, technology like hard uh, um, hard skill topics to soft skill topics, or do you tend to focus on a, on a certain set? Yeah, it really depends. Um, I did some. I think early in my career, I did some um, presentations on on Springrich clients, yeah, which I was yeah. which I was the uh, the project lead for. I'm, I still am, but it's not really active anymore. Um, uh, I did a lot of presentations on clean architecture, um, which is one of my my key uh, my key subjects on on how I, I do software development. Um, I also did some presentations for one of the clients' products that I worked on on Atomist. So it really depends on on what I'm working on at the moment, what interests me. Um, so it it can go from technical to completely non-technical. Really depends. But normally, if you look at the the, the audience of like DevOx people, uh, DevOx um, developers, it tends to be more technical than non-technical. And pretty much uh, Java oriented as well, right? Um, well, in the beginning, it was. I think DevOx is going really broad nowadays towards JavaScript, but it's still quite Java-oriented. Wait, isn't that the same thing, Java and JavaScript? <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> Disclaimer, it is not. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> okay. uh, but um, before we proceed on to the topic of the day, which will be about um, confidence and um, arrogance and the imposter syndrome, uh, just like a, a, a side question is, uh, as a architect, um, do you still have time to develop, like write code? Um, not as much as I want to. Um, I, I think most companies tend to put architects in a lot of meetings, um, which I not always think that's a good idea. But um, 
there's a lot of uh, alignment going on between multiple parties like the business and the technical parts. Um, and it really depends on, on in which phase of the, the project you're in. Um, if you're in a, a startup phase, um, you tend to do a lot of meetings uh, just to get everything started up right. right? And then once the, the, the groundwork has been laid down, you tend to do a lot more development. Um, I still do quite a bit of development on the site, um, but it's it's less than I would want to. Yeah. Um, in and of itself, a, a topic uh, for another episode, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, now, the, the main topic of today is confidence, uh, arrogance, and more importantly, the imposter syndrome. Now, the reason why we came up with this topic is um, almost every single guest we've had on the channel, I'm, I mean on the podcast, <laughs> sorry, uh, uh, almost every single guest we've had in the pre-recording session always tells us, oh, I, I really, I'm the last person to actually talk about this topic. And then you look at their CV and it's like 15 years of experience in that very niche. So it, it got us thinking, why um, why this uh, psychology of, uh, you know, despite the fact that you've been doing something in a niche for 15 years or 10 years, uh, why people still think they, they're not the, the expert in that domain? And uh, we'd like to talk about that. Yeah, so... It's a really interesting topic because it's. I think it's we're hardwired not to to dive too much into a feeling of pride. Like, uh, yeah, I'm really good at this, and and you you always get 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 taught to 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 be humble, uh, and not to to be as a, as arrogant to, to say like, yeah, I know this. Um, I don't care. I don't. I, I can. I can speak like for hours on this, and and people will listen, and I'm never wrong. Um, so we kind of get hardwired to to accept of the fact that that we we might be imposters, um, and it really takes a lot of a lot of training and a lot of like introspection of a person himself to or herself to realize that yeah, you're you're good enough and. Um, at some point, you, you need to just take a good leap enough, of faith. Just good enough, or would you say, you know, well, they're above average, or just good I enough? I think good enough. I, I think good enough is is a very subjective way of of, of thinking about things. Um, you come uh, the the entire point of imposter syndrome is that it's very subjective. It's in it's in the mind of the person himself or herself. It really depends on like. It's not somebody else who's say, who's saying that you're an imposter. It's it, it's yourself that that's saying that you think you're an imposter. It's not something that somebody else says about you. It's something that you think about yourself. So that that's the entire point of imposter syndrome is that it's a very subjective feeling, and it's a very personal feeling. Um, and that's also the nice part about it is because it's a subjective personal feeling. It's something that you can work on. Because it's not something that's influenced by the outside world. Well, I, I think if I may, uh, there is two. There is actually two levels to it. Uh, one is like what you truly feel, and two is like how you what you project to the outside. And that could be also be. Um, I mean, is there no difference there? There's no. That does not have to do. I mean, 
is there no dimension to that? For example, someone could be like they really they feel like oh they are the the worst you know they really do not know they'll be, be uh, below average you know uh, and all, but then they would go and and act not as you know uh, being humble, but they would act as they they know too much. So yeah, that, that's the part of uh, arrogance. So yeah. Okay. No, I mean, another one. Like, if we if we are to take this one into a uh, a binary, right? Binary situation, you'd have like four kind of people, and not just two people, right? Yeah, absolutely. So be, they, they might be good, but they feel they're not good enough. But they project themselves as not being good. But they could be good and not good. But they project project themselves being re uh, really good. Mm -hmm. And then you have the other side of it yeah. right someone so you, really you make good. it like a, a matrix with four quadrants yeah and you say the worst type are people who are very confident but actually have, don't have the skills to back it up right that's that's like the there's actually a name part. for that there's okay. a name for that it's called it's it's called dunning kruger so it's called the dunning kruger syndrome and that's just being so confident of your own incompetence so you don't you you're you don't even realize how incompetent you are, and you project yourself as being supremely confident. So that's the that's the entire opposite of the imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is like knowing a knowing deep inside that you you are really good at what you do, but you're afraid to project it. And Daniel Kruger is saying like, I have no clue how bad I am, but I think I'm the best in the world. But so, wouldn't you say that in the imposter syndrome that the that the subject in question actually doesn't know deep inside that they're good enough? Is is that not like uh, that they're not aware of of how how good they perform? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, again, it's 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 a it's a subjective matter. You need to do a lot of introspection to realize, like, yeah, I am good enough. And it's a really it, it it's sometimes really strange to to try and get to that point that you accept the fact that people actually are willing to listen to you. Um, I had a lot of times um, with, with uh, when doing presentations. I was in a green room, for example, in DevOps with, with people like Josh Long, like Venkat Subramayan, um, with really the big names in conference speaking. And the first thing you think about is like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, these guys are doing doing presentations every every single week um i think josh sometimes does five or six in a week flying from one country to another and you're going in there like doing one presentation a year or two presentations a year and you're scheduled just behind a behind the presentation of theirs and you're like oh I'm, I'm just gonna i'm just gonna gonna fail miserably um and at some so point saying, i think yeah that, go ahead I think that I think the first presentations of me were like really bad. I think the ones that you can find on on YouTube from me are, are I think if I look up them, uh, if I look at those presentations nowadays, I'm like, oh my god, that that was really horrible. Um, well, I but on I the other hand, I you have a lot of people who are saying yeah. like, yeah, I would tell yeah, you but indeed, but again, it, that's right. a subjective matter. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a subjective matter indeed, but. Um, but then you, you see a lot of comments of people and people are talking to you like, hey, I learned a lot of stuff about your presentation and you really got me thinking. And at that point, you're like, yeah, I do add value to the to the community uh, when, when I'm, I'm trying to 
um, do something. And at that point, you kind of make a click on, yeah, I am good enough. But you sort of need that, that outside confirmation of, of being good enough, which is really strange because it's a subjective matter. So, Okay. Well, subjective as it is, um, I mean, you, you just said, you know, I suffer from imposter syndrome when I'm around these big names at a conference in a green room. Um, a uh, recent survey um, by uh, Blind, uh, like this organization, uh, they, uh, they went around and asked people in the tech industry uh, and employees of companies like uh, Facebook, Microsoft, Google, Uber, Intel, Cisco, Apple, Amazon. Like, so they, they had a, a really um, American uh, uh, Silicon Valley sample going there. So they, they asked uh, these employees and uh, whether they suffered from imposter syndrome. And nearly 60% answered yes. And we're talking about people working in in what are arguably the most successful tech organizations, which probably also employ some of the brightest minds in the industry. So why does it seem to be like the general attitude of tech people seem to lean more towards imposter syndrome than towards uh, Dunning-Kruger or is it not? What, you, what is your feelings on these, on this data? I think I think it depends on on the, on the companies that you do the, the the survey on. You just mentioned like it's a lot of Silicon Valley companies. Um, it doesn't surprise me that it's sixty percent of Silicon Valley companies because the level of of competence in in those companies is extremely high. Um, I worked for a Silicon Valley company for a year and a half, I think, just about, um, with really big names. Um, and I was like, what am I doing here? Um, so it really, if you have, if you work in a group of people that are really talented, it's kind of logical that you so sometimes feel like an imposter because there, somebody is always going to be better at something than you are. Um, and at that point, you you realize like, perhaps I'm not good enough to be in this group. Is is that why uh, you left though, that company? Though, uh, no, no, I didn't. I, there, there were there were other reasons for that. Um, that I that I that I left the company. It, it had it really had nothing to do with the fact okay, that yeah, I, yeah, just, I was just, afraid, yeah I was afraid of being in that company. I had other reasons. Um, but yeah, it really doesn't it, it doesn't surprise me at all. Like. Companies like Google, Amazon, you really have like the the, the top ten percent of of developers that is concentrated in that environment, and at that point you you realize like, do I belong in this top ten percent? And that's a really hard question to answer, and it takes a lot of confidence in a person to say like, yeah, I do belong here. And once you do, it's really an eye opener. Um, because then you you suddenly how do you mean go what, a lot faster because you stop you? yeah you you stop you stop second, second guessing yourself like am I is this a good idea you you just go ahead and and 
you're not afraid anymore to do to take chances because you know that people around you are respectful and are competent enough to 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 help you okay i'm hearing i'm hearing two things here i'm hearing two things and met uh if you hear more let me know but what i'm hearing here is uh first of all i'm not then you know once you realize that your imposter syndrome is a burden the first thing that happens is you become more confident in your uh, experiments. So you, you're not afraid to take steps. You become bolder in what you do, okay? Because uh, being too careful in what you do, like when you start suffering from analysis paralysis, might actually have an impact on the quality and the output of your work. So one of the questions is, does imposter syndrome actually have impact on, on the work you produce? And I, I think you sort of uh, touched on that topic with this. So somebody who sheds that uh, will probably be more nimble on their feet and will be able to deliver like better performance. And the second thing you said, which was I think is important, is you realize your colleagues are supportive. So it means that, uh, like you also said earlier on, um, having some kind of uh, external confirmation of, of the quality of your work or the value you bring can actually help you shed that weight quicker so uh, basically, uh, the culture within a company can help people get rid of the imposter syndrome, or maybe make feel make other people, you know, in, in the quite in the, in the opposite, uh, might even you know push them further into that uh, hole. Yeah. So the, does imposter syndrome um, affect quality? Absolutely. Um, if you once you once you shut that, you 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 get more uh, you get less afraid of trying to do stuff because you know like okay, you're not afraid to fail, and it's it's like okay if I fail so be it. It doesn't ref it doesn't say anything about my technical skills. It's just like I was I was ready to do a certain experiment, and I know in advance that that it can fail, um, but you. The more experiments you do, you know, the more you get a feeling of which experiments have a bigger chance of, of succeeding than other ones. Like there, there are a lot of frameworks in, in the in the in the world nowadays, and you kind of get a feeling like which ones, which choices of frameworks would be the best ones in order to to get to a certain desired level. Um, with regards to like other like interacting with other people. Um, you need to keep in mind, like if you believe if you believe the survey, and I tend to believe it, that there are sixty percent of the people that think that they are an imposter. You need to realize that if you're talking to one of your colleagues, that there's a sixty percent chance that they think that they're an imposter as well. So, so there's three three of us in this room. Two two of us feel like imposters. Then, <laughs> it yeah. could be. I, I mean, I'll be. You know, uh, I. I I come from uh, also various backgrounds in which I was in um, class-leading organizations, let's put it that way, and you're surrounded by extremely talented people who seem to have devoted their entire life being in existence on this subject. And I feel like I just wandered into the room by accident, like, oh, uh, okay, uh, I feel like I don't deserve to be here. In When I see, you know, it's it's a different approach. Like when I see people who seem so devoted to this and you're in there being like oh it's just something i do you know uh, but th that's a different story uh, what i want to ask you is 
this 60 percent uh where he said i you tend to believe that what makes you tend to believe that um, like the experience I you had not just with yourself but you know like uh you, you've been around a lot of companies a lot of different organizations what gave you the the impression that that 60 percent might be correct um, I think the the level of of developers in in the companies that I've been in was quite high, um, and I think the 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 amount of imposter syndrome, uh, the chance of getting in front of somebody who probably has imposter syndrome as well, becomes higher as much uh, correlated to the the number uh, the amount of technical skill that that person has. So if you're in a really technically strong environment with people that are really really skilled. Um, I tend to believe that a lot of people in such environments tend to think that they, at some point they are imposters because you start talking about people. It's also, it's also about being in your comfort zone. Like if you, if you're always in your comfort zone, you, you tend to be very confident about your skills, but the moment that you get out of the, that comfort zone, for example, the first time you get promoted to an architect and you go into a lot of meetings with the business and you, you're not used to doing that. You tend to question yourself, like, am I ready for this role? And at some point you need to accept the fact that, that people have seen something inside of you that you might have not seen before. And you, you need to embrace that, that challenge and, and, and go ahead with it. And at that point you, you become more confident in your own skills. Um, that's that's the big difference with arrogance. Arrogance is going like, yeah, I can do this. That's not a problem. I, I I'll fly through this uh, uh, with 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 flying colors, and it will not not be a problem. And those are the people that tend to not come up with the better solutions because they they lack the humility um, to realize that they might be wrong. Um, yeah. Well, I, what, I love, by the way, how you said. Oh, go ahead, Matt. Sorry. Yeah. Um, what, what, what I'm thinking, I'm, I'm you know, uh, making me laugh a bit. So, I mean, yeah, it's a stat to do show that it's always like the majority, you know, so more than 50% uh, in general would would be um, would suffer from this sim- syndrome. Now, if you look at that number, if you look at 60%, that makes the majority, right? Then it should not be a syndrome, then it's the. <laughs> If you look at it, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, you know. Guy has normal syndrome. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's no syndrome at all. Yeah. That's the way it's supposed to be. Right. That's what the majority, the majority of people do. Huh? So, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, well, the, the, yeah, I'm trying to rephrase my question. I think, ahead, it's, I think, I think it's, yeah. I think it's something positive actually in imposter syndrome because, it it actually indicates that you're you're aware of the fact that you have to learn, that you're willing to learn, um, and that's one of the major part. Like it's it's not a bad thing to have imposter syndrome. I it's agree. actually a good thing. There's there's this uh, little um, uh, knowledge, like a, a little saying that goes around in academic circles. So the person who does their uh, undergraduate or their bachelor studies, you know. Uh, they they walk out you know they graduate it's like I know everything about this field you know then they go out and they do their uh, their graduates like they get their masters it's like oh I might not know anything about this yeah so then you do your PhD and then you realize what nobody knows anything about this field you know everything we know is just like 
vague and but the the more you learn about it the more you realize how little you know because you get to experience the the vastness of the ocean you know once you know like oh there's so much to know and i'm just like a drop in the ocean and i think that brings humility with it and that's why i think you find a lot of uh uh, people with imposter syndrome in in high performing organizations because that's the mindset you want for always be learning, be questioning what you're doing. But at the same time, you know you need to be careful not to let this uh, syndrome impact uh, your your uh, performance, right? Well, so I, I, I think there's two there's two different things. Please go ahead, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Uh, sorry if I if I interrupted you, but I think it's. Um, See, it's not the performance part of it. I think that psychologically that could be uh, taxing on you for the, for the long term if you always think like that. Um, I, I wouldn't call it like it's a positive thing. I would definitely not call it a positive thing. I think what's positive, uh, the only situation it's positive is like where you have that true balance, which is not easy, but the true balance of your capabilities with your confidence um, and also your presentation, how, how you present yourself, how you you balance that, you know, to be confident at the right moment, to be humble the, the, the next moment. Because um, this could also be contextual, right? It could be like in a setting where you are, you would be suffering from, for example, um, imposter syndrome and somewhere else it wouldn't be the case, right? So, uh, but in general, if you can find a balance when you really have the, the right confidence for what you can do, uh, that would be that. What I would call really that's the positive situation, right? That's the the ideal. Yeah, situation. that is the ideal situation. Yes, agreed. But uh, if you have to pick between uh, a colleague who ha- who is leaning toward uh, Dunning Kruger or what was it again, uh, Levin? the the other one, like the arrogance, like the yeah, Kruger, arrogance yeah. versus the uh, versus the uh, the humility, like uh, the the imposter syndrome. I think everybody's going to prefer. People leaning toward imposter syndrome, right? Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure you you want to have the person that, that's that's humble about their abilities, but that is actually better than really they think good. they are. Yeah. They're like really good at what they do. Like, oh, it's it's nothing. Everyone could have done it. Like, <laughs> okay, if that's what you think, uh, as opposed to the person who's like, yeah, this is how we should do it because this is how I saw it in my different uh, in the previous organization. This is how we did it. So uh, anything See, that's would... not this is wrong. I would argue. I would argue. Like I think we 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 here we 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 do agree. Kind of like what the person you would pick, but the way I see it is like the the younger generation now, they kind of they don't care about you know people showing off, and that they don't look at that as being a negative, um, uh, you know, uh, character, right? A negative. Um, uh, a negative, negative trait. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the example would be, um, you know, if I don't know if, you, if you're into soccer, right? Like Messi and Ronaldo, right? So you always look at them, both great players, right? But Messi is that type of like, he's okay. Mm-hmm. Well, he was kind of humble, right? And Ronaldo's like, you know, yeah, he's showing off all the time, right? Which is, you know, good for his business, right? <laughs> but uh, to me, as someone from, you know, uh, who's uh, who has some age in this life, I look at that and like, oh, you know, this is, uh, you know, I would pick Messi any time, you know. This is if, if we say they have the same skills, right, in football, right. I'll say, oh, I'll pick this guy, you know, because this guy at least it's is more human, right? He's down to earth and and um, uh, you know, um, so that's I I would value that. I put it that way. 
but um, and I think we, we we agree here. But I would I would argue that um, the younger generation sometimes they uh, you know they don't look at the humbleness as being a a positive thing. As a positive thing, yeah. Yeah, but it's also it, yeah, it's it's also the the social media culture in that point that takes a lot of um, a, is is the cause of a lot of that. Like it, it's very important to be portrayed and to be projected outwards as the the, the strong person. Uh, I think it's a very interesting um, uh, thing that you brought up with regards to Messi. Um, I think Messi also realizes that without his ten other people on the field. He wouldn't be able to win a match. Like he he's a he's a really good soccer player, but he still needs the other ten people to to win a game. And he realizes that. And I think every good um, soccer player realizes that, even though he might be the best in his field, like Messi, David Beckham, um, Ronaldo, and and the other ones, they all realize that that in order to win a game, they have to be a leader and, and, and take up the, the mantle of, 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 of coaching the entire team towards a victory. Mm-hmm. In, in, in this comparison that I brought up, right, if you look at Ronaldo, given that if we, if, we, if we portray him as someone that kind of shows off, right, so he's going more like, okay, look at me, where in, in some cases, you kind of know, like, if he, if he even if, if he, I suppose he, um, even if he misses something, right? He has it down to the second at you know after so many seconds to do some pose or something because he knows the camera's gonna be on him. But even this person, for example, what you said, right? They do know that between with his colleagues, they don't. I'm, I'm sure they don't act this way. There are a few few players, if we talk about soccer, few players that would be really they would have that kind of you know uh, embedded a new attitude. With their colleagues, really few, and those have, you know, those would be like, I would even, I would, I categorize them as having psychological issues. But um, so what I'm saying is, like, the image that he portrays to the world, it's a, it's a, it's an act. It's an act because it's good for, it's good for business, you know. It's good for because business. His social, mm-hmm. his social media does good, you know, and and the the younger generations do not care for that. You but know, do you think? Uh, here's the thing. Uh, take. Uh, Ronaldo, without the skills to back it up, how many people would even bother to know who this person is, right? People, it, it's like with uh, uh, McGregor in the uh, in the MMAs as well, right? Uh, but I, I have, a, you know, social media uh, brought this uh, thing that I want to say back to the foreground, which is you mentioned that, uh, Levin, you mentioned that imposter syndrome is more likely to occur in an environment where there's uh, already a lot of uh, talented people around. Is this because humans, when they look at social media, apparently they have the tendency to not see multiple people, but they see one person. They see one person who's always on holiday, eating always the best food, you know, doing the, the most awesomest things. They don't see like, oh, there's like 500 people and, you know, every one of them gets like one 500th of, you know, like a, a fraction of, of the, the glory that you see. Could it be that uh, the the uh, you know in a work environment 
when you see oh there's this one colleague who knows a lot about you know oauth you have another colleague who knows a lot about you know uh, databases there's another one who's like a, a genius in in uh in uh, cloud uh, or aws or you know they they got their thing and then you start pushing all these people together into one person and saying look everybody's doing is capable in a lot of things and i can only do this one measly thing whereas you don't realize that that one thing you do is impressive to the other people do you think that yeah, plays you, a role? You, get, you get a very skewed image of the world if you, if you, for example, go to conferences. You get a really skewed view on the world of development because nobody does a talk about how their system extremely failed into production, how they wasted millions of dollars on a project, how they failed miserably. You never see those presentations. You always see like, hey, we've got this great new project. And it works perfectly, and we did it in production, and there's no problems whatsoever. And you're like, "Oh God, I've I've just been I've <laughs> just been cursing for the last three weeks on on like this really stupid issue, and now I'm in the talk of something that somebody who says like, "Yeah, but this is this is like easy stuff," and nobody nobody talks about their failures. Everybody talks about their successes, and that's I think one of the major reasons why you also get imposter syndrome because you go like. Yeah, I suck apparently because everybody else is, is doing great. Um, what they don't know is the fact that probably 80% of the time, the people that are doing those presentations are cursing as, as well behind their keyboards. Um, but nobody does a presentation about that. So you get a very skewed image on, on, on how the world works. And I think that's also the reason why people in a lot of technical companies, they there's there's a lot of news going on about failures in in software, and I think the bigger companies are not immune to those as well. And I think it's very humbling if you go into like uh, one of those big failure moments, and you come out of it, and you go like, oh my god, this, this was really bad, but it was a learning moment. So, but nobody talks about that. So it's it's kind of logical that we have imposter syndrome because mm -hmm. if you go on YouTube, if you go on Twitter. Everybody's going like, yeah, we got this great new feature, we got this great new framework, and everything works perfectly. And you're you're cursing around and 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 working like three weeks on a stupid, uh, like on putting a button on on the screen or whatever. I, I'm I'm exaggerating, but it's yeah, it's very. It's, I I get it. Yeah. It's it's a lot like uh, the the glory of Instagram. You know, people only share like this. Oh, look at look at us. We're in Dubai uh, on top of a skyscraper. Uh, posing with a paraglider. It's like, is this the default state of your life? No, like you're basically, you wake up, you feel maybe grumpy until you've had your coffee, but that part gets gets left out, right? Yeah, but I have a question. Um, yeah, indeed. I have a question. Uh, the Matt, this one goes to you as well. Um, so how do you prick the bubble like uh, of of thinking you're in the imposter syndrome, like like uh, feeling like an imposter, live in hard mode without depending on uh, external um, confirmation. Uh, you said something about introspection. So I'm going to have uh, Med uh, have a stab at this first, if you want, Med. Well, uh, I mean, that was my, actually, it was my question. Uh, how, how does one, you know, you know, what does one need to do? Um, well, I think I think the challenge here is like you have to identify it, being it's subjective. First, you have to know that it doesn't. Okay, then, exist. then let's ask this question: How how would you know you you're suffering from it? 
Well, you wouldn't know. I mean, it's really difficult to know, except if you, for example, if you hear this podcast, right? You say, well, there is something that does exist, right? First, you know, that, that's a, at least you know of its existence. And now to, 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 um, to diagnose yourself, that's challenging, I think. That's, uh, unless, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'll pass it to, <laughs> to Levin. He probably has uh, more. Okay, let's, let's pass this yeah, question on to Levin. How do you diagnose yourself? Um, well, I'm not a religious person, but I think you need just have to do a leap of faith at some point. I think at some point you go like, ah, screw it. Um, let's go for it and we'll see what happens. If I fail, then I fail. And oh, yeah, but that's your solution for, you know, that's for uh, popping the bubble. But uh, I, the question is different now. The first thing, like Matt said, like, how do you first identify, like, diagnose it uh, on yourself? Because that's, that's a really that's a hard one. Yeah, I mean, you could be really bad, right? <laughs> See, that's also that's you know before we go into that one, you could be actually you could, you could be really bad, suck you know? at this. And you are really good at estimating yourself. You know, like yeah, I know where I stand. I'm really bad compared to the rest. But would you like to know when you're really really bad? Like I, I'd much rather have people tell me like. Dude, you suck at this. Yeah, then at difficult. least I know where, where where I can work on. Then at least that's you know where to work on. That's difficult, you know. Like you know, I, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I heard this comedian saying, you know, you know, he was saying, look, being ugly is really difficult because when you when you look good, right? When you're good looking, people say, oh, you look good. Oh, look at you. If you're ugly, no one comes to you and says, oh, you're ugly, right? So you're like, yeah. you know, so it's, that's it's the same culture, way. That's a culture thing. Yeah, well, yeah, probably. I think uh, if you, if you, if you, because yeah, we we live in Belgium, and then Belgian people are like inherently polite. They do not want to like offend somebody off the bat, and and especially in a professional context, like, well, yeah, there there's a reason why they call it a Belgian compromise. Um, we we try not to offend people too much when we go into solutions. If you, for example, would cross the border and go into the Netherlands, and you work for a Dutch company, it's a real culture shock because people go like, dude, you suck. And that's a really, that's an, that's an eye opener at that point. Like, um, okay, um, <laughs> where did that come from? And like, yeah, but they, they're much more honest. And, and at that point you go like, oh yeah, they, they might be right. And at that point you, you do some introspection, like, am I really this good at, as I think I am, or am I? Am I? Am I? Not, am I? Do I really suck at this? Sometimes you realize that you suck at this, and then you need to make the decision of: Do I want to not suck at this, or just go like abandon the, the entire subject? Go like a, there are a lot of lot lot of more smarter people than I am at this point, and I I, I just really don't care about that that the subject as much, or. You could take the, the the leap of faith and go like, okay, I really want to get good at this, and you start learning. Okay, that is again with external input. Okay, so we're still stuck. Like we every everybody here seems to agree that if you're suffering from imposter syndrome, it's very hard to uh, measure it on yourself. Apparently, um, it's really but- hard. Um, yeah, it, it it is really hard. Like. 
I've read a lot of books. Like one of them was like the courage to be disliked, about how um, how we need to look at ourselves and how how like trauma works and stuff like that. And it, it's really it, it's just at some point you need to you need to accept a certain philosophy in life. And once you do that, you you start thinking about these kind of things. But you really need to. It's a really it's a it's a personal growth process. So yeah, it's it's it, it's hard it's hard it's it's really hard to do by yourself. Um, no, most of the time, imposter syndrome gets triggered about because of an external stimulus. It's not something that you normally think about yourself, like mm -hmm. oh, I'm a, I'm an imposter. Mm -hmm. You always need that external stimulus, like working with somebody else, like reading some about about something in a book like i really don't know anything about this or looking at looking at a youtube movie about a certain subject you always get an external trigger because yeah mm -hmm. um uh, the good thing is like it is quanti quantifiable once you know it's being discussed, right? Because you could say, well, someone could come to you, like you said, you know, a, a Dutch person would come to you and say, oh, you suck, you know? And you say, hey, wait a second, why? And then you could start a conversation. You would say, well, you know, you're supposed to do this, 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 and you did this, this, that, right? And you could then see where you came up short, right? So that the good thing of that, you could at least quantify it, give it some value. But again, given that you talk about now the, the external party, that could also go... And this is pushing things a bit, you know, just playing devil's advocate. That also could go and be not fair because they could be like misjudging you, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they're the imposter. <laughs> well, no, maybe they expect way too much and they expect something that's beyond, you know? They, maybe they're simply um, harassing you, right? Like just no matter what you do, it's not good enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it cannot that's be true, just from that... one party. It has to be from a mixed... Yeah. Yeah. Again, but that that, that that's a um, that's a that's again a certain philosophy that you need to keep in your mind. Like, if there are people that that really are, are constantly trying to bring you down, that has nothing to do with imposter syndrome. That's just people being an ass. Um, and at some point, you need to like try and cut off those people from your network. And at that point, you 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 try to to assess who has value. And who has just is just trying to be an ass towards you, and at that point, I I think I think that has nothing to do with 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 imposter syndrome. This this has more to do with like interaction between people. Yeah, okay, I follow you there. Um, well, I think uh, we've had our fill on the on the imposter syndrome. Uh, if uh, we can have some closing remarks on uh, where people can find you, Levin, if they have more questions on this. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Um, it's Levin Um uh, For the rest, uh, I think I think Twitter is the best way to uh, to contact me. Um, I have my own blog at. Uh, uh, sourcebvba.be. Um, okay, we'll we'll link those. Yeah, yeah you can put a link on that. Um, so yeah, it's when people want to contact me, there are a lot of ways to uh, to do so. Um, 
that's not a, hey, it's not normally not hard if you if you I have quite a unique name, so if you Google me, you you tend to get my contact uh, data quite easily. Is your is your Twitter handle the real Levin Doklo? So that because it's not an imposter. This is the no, real no, no, it's, no. It's just like Levin Doklo is my my uh, is my Twitter account. Okay, because my my Twitter is actually the real Baikal. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you, you come like, oh, this this is not the real bike. Oh, there, there you go. Hey, Matt, uh, where can people find the real Matt? Well, you know, me, I'm not like uh, like living here. You know, you look me up on Google, you're not gonna find me. You know, I mean, I have to dig really like in the tenth page, or you know, if uh, in your lucky day. No, madmed.com, m a d m e d dot com. Okay. Well, me, I'm Errol Baikal. You can find me at baikal.be, B-A-Y-K-L.be. And for everybody out there uh, who's uh, listening to us, thanks again, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.